Oh Lord, I I know that many people in here. <clears throat> good morning. How y'all doing? Y'all good? It's a privilege and an honor to be able to be here this morning to be able to share God's word with you. Uh, I just want to acknowledge my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who without him, I would not be able to be standing here before you. Uh, I thank God for uh, Steve and Brenda for hosting me uh, and making me feel welcome. You guys always make me feel wel welcome. Uh, I, I see Rob and Shauna is here. These are my people. Yeah, Y'all my people. Y'all my people. And uh, I, when I come here, I just feel at home, and I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to get right into the text. My wife says hi, by the way. Uh, Lenita says hi, and uh, sorry she couldn't make it. She's with the grandkids doing birthday parties and stuff, and she wore out. <laughs> so uh, we thank God for Jesus. Uh, uh, listen, uh, Steve read the pastor's scripture, and if you heard, I'm just going to read two verses. Uh, that formulates what we're going to be talking about. Verse 1 said, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. In other words, if you become Christ-like, you're going to experience the same things he did. It also says in verse 12, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised <clears throat> at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Uh, let us not forget that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to what? To be tested. And if we're going to be Christ-like, we're going to be tested. But then I want to read just one more verse, and then we're going to get into this text. In verse 16, But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed, but in that name, let him glorify God. Never be ashamed to be called a Christian. Never be ashamed to be called a follower of Christ. And the way this world is right now, is it is uh, maligning that name. So let me just share some things with you right quick first. We live in a world where Christianity is becoming more and more under the fire from the media. False religions, humanistic higher learning institutions, politics, government, ethnic diversity, division, and so on. So Satan, whose main goal is to deceive the world to follow him, has influenced the world through demonic doctrines to where people of the, of the world consider it sin which is rebellion against God as acts of courage, love, acceptance, that anyone who goes against the righteousness, the immoral corruption of this world is considered hateful, non-tolerant, nor condemned for their way of thinking. Jesus told his disciples to expect opposition and persecution from the world. He says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world loves its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. He who hates me hates my father also. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, experienced this persecution 
after God had exposed his power through Paul and Barnabas through the healing of a lame man and had been preaching the gospel in Lystra, Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. They stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But what is enlightening about this whole passage of scripture in, in this context, he comes back and continues to strengthen those believers, regardless of what the persecution may be. The world does not persecute religious people, but righteous people. Let me say that one more time. The world does not condemn religious people, but righteous people. Jesus said, beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. As the dedicated Christian builds his or her life on truth, obtaining humility and holiness and righteousness to glorify God, by doing so, the Christian will be under attack and will endure suffering as our Savior did. Unknowing to the world and Satan uh, that God uses such things to enhance the condition of the believer. So we want to talk about in this passage of scripture, I want to give you three things that can help us to withstand the suffering of a Christian. The suffering that even Jesus went through. Because we are going to go through suffering if you have not already. How many of y'all have endured suffering based on your faith? You see, you see, let me just show you. When I raise my hand, I'm asking you the question. <laughs> Those of you who have endured suffering based on your Christianity, I'm asking you to raise your hand. Well, that's fine. That's good. Because one of the things is this, is that we cannot allow fear to hinder our relationship with Christ. And that's exactly what we do when we don't do what God has commanded us to do. We have a calling, and that calling comes from Romans 8, 29, and it's God's ambition, God's goal to conform us to the image of his son. That means that we're supposed to be Christ-like. In order to endure suffering, we have to be Christ-like, because guess what? He endured the intense of suffering. He dealt with pain that we could not deal with, and it's based on his holiness. See, we can deal with pain for a period of time before we succumb to it and bow down to it. And then we sometimes, uh, and even doctors can tell you this, I remember when I got a kidney stone. How many of you ever experienced a kidney stone? God bless your heart. Don't want that ever again. Uh, I came into the hospital in an emergency, and people st the nurses saw my face, and they said, kidney stone. <laughs> and they said to me, I'd rather have five babies back-to-back -back than have a kidney stone. You know what that said to me? See, I have experienced pain worse than childbirth. <clears throat> but the aspect of it, if they did not give me something to counteract that pain, the thing about it, what they just said was this. Pain, you can only do a pain for so much before you pass out. So we cannot endure the intensity of the pain that Jesus endured because of his holiness. He endured pain to its utmost. We have never reached that, but he did that on our behalf. And we must realize that how he suffered 
on our behalf, how he was ridiculed on our behalf, how he was maligned on our behalf. And guess what? And if we're going to be like Jesus, and how many of y'all want to be like Jesus? It's going to happen. So the first thing, verses 1 through 6, in order to endure the suffering, we must have a Christ-like attitude. Our minds must be conformed to his mindset of how he sees people and how he deals with situations. One of the things that we see is, first of all, we have to be able to identify with him. He says that, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves. Because guess what? We need to identify with that because we're going to suffer in the flesh. Do you hear me? It's going to happen. He endured a lot of pain in the flesh. You know that he was beaten. You know that he was beaten all night on that Thursday night. Some people say that after he came out, he was so disfigured, he was unrecognizable. The thorn that was screwed on top of his head, he endured physical pain, beating and scourgings, nails through his hands and his feet. He endured physical pain, but he also endured mental anguish where blood dripped from his side of his head, his temples, as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that what he's going to have to do. But also, too, the humiliation of how the people will rather follow Caesar than, than give him up. They let a thief go and allowed their Savior to go to the cross. Too many times we are looking for a relief from pain. I'm sorry. This is how we grow. I'm looking at the little babies as I, I go out and I'm seeing these new babies. These babies are going to go through some pain. Because as they mature and be able to walk, they're going to fall. And they're going to fall more than once. I have scars. I don't have tattoos. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> and the reason why I don't have tattoos is because I got enough tattoos on my body to remind me of everything I need to know. I have scars on my body of how I used to live. They tell me of everything of how I used to be. They tell me how my thinking was. They tell me how my walk was. They tell me about my rebellion. Those scars will never go away. There's also some scars in somebody's hands whose name is Jesus that when we get to heaven, we're going to see that he endured the pain because he's the only one that has scars in his hands on our behalf. We need to realize and understand that we need to identify with him. We must eliminate corrupt behavior. That means that, guess what? I like 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, that we must understand this and listen to this real good. Uh, do you not know these things? We must separate ourselves from the fleshly influence and the people of this world. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. I don't know who you're hanging with. But if it ain't with Christians now in, in these days and times, you can't afford not to be, you cannot afford to be with, hanging with other people who don't know Christ. You need to be hanging with people who know Christ, who can encourage you and help you stay steadfast on the word of God. And, and, and Luke chapter 6, verse 46, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? He says also in Matthew chapter 21, I mean chapter 7, verse 21, he says, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord would enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm just helping us to understand something. Saying words don't mean anything. You heard Steve said about the baptism. He said, and he, and he made an emphasis, those of you who want to walk and be committed and walking close to God for the rest of your life, this is what this means. 
to identify with them. This is what this means to be able to eliminate the corruption of our behavior by walking as closely as we possibly can with him. And if we're not willing to do that, then we're going to succumb to the evils of this world. We must consider changed behavior. Verse 6, he tells us this all the time, that it is the gospel, man, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody need to hear me on this real good. It is the gospel that saves. It's the gospel that imputes in every human being that believes in it the righteousness of God. As God had laid his hands, because he was the high priest at that time, and laying his hands, the sins of the people upon the Son, uh, upon his Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, he then imputed the righteousness in those of us who love him. Somebody need to hear me on that. Because now when the Father sees us, good God Almighty, he sees the righteousness of his son. And if you can't shout on that, I'm going to whoop you with a belt. But anyway, <laughs> we need to realize and recognize the first thing that we need to do, we must conform our thinking. We must become thinking like him. We must have this Christ-like attitude. Even when it comes to people who don't believe in what we believe in, who, who, who goes against us, we must have compassion for them and not condemnation. The second thing, we must have a Christ-like adoration for one another. Are y'all hearing me? The people of this world are looking at the church. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You got more and more people coming to the body of Christ seeking truth because it's confusing lies out here. There's a lot of things that are going on that really doesn't make sense. You can sit down and listen to a person talk, and they cannot even comprehend what they're saying. It is so hypocrisy, so much hypocrisy out here that even if you listen to a person try to defend what they believe based on feelings and emotions, they cannot defend it because it's by feelings and emotions. People need to know truth. And so they're coming to seek truth from the church. But if I'm coming to the church and I hear division within the body of Christ and I hear the same thing outside that I see here, why would I want to come here? Are y'all feeling me? In this country right now, it's so much division in the body of Christ, it's pathetic. People are... I love what verse 5, verse 8 says, above all, keep fervent love for, uh, for love for the one another because it covers what? A multitude of sins. I can love you and look past your transgressions. Did y'all hear me? See, that's, that's biblical love. That's Christ love. That's that Christ-like adoration. Even when you sin against me, even when you trespass against me, guess what? I understand why you did it. Do y'all understand this? Because people of the world who don't know Jesus do not have the information about who they are. They don't even have the information. Y'all need to hear me on this. But how to live righteously. They don't know that they, they are enslaved to sin. How many of y'all knew that? Nobody, nobody knew that. We thought we were free. We thought that we have the ability to, to, to change ourselves. We thought we had the ability to be able to have the power of God ourselves to do things. And we come to realize that was a lie. Well, guess what? They, have, they think the same way we think. And so with that concept, with that understanding in mind, I, we need to love one another. They need to see and know what love looks like. And that love is not 
relevant to a certain group of people. I love the Great Commission when he says, go therefore into what? All the nations. And that word nations in the Greek means ethnos. It's talking about all ethnicities. That means that the gospel is inclusive for every human being on the face of this planet. We need to start looking at one another through the lenses of Scripture, through the lenses of the Spirit, and help us to see one another as Christ sees us. He doesn't eliminate the diversity or the ethnicity because I hear people say this all the time. Oh, I'm colorblind. And the first thing I want to do is pick it up some of a color so you can look at it. Tell me what color that is. I understand the sentiment. I understand what you're saying, but you're belittling God and trying to erase what God has established. No, I do not erase the ethnicity. I love diversity. I love that you're not the same color that I am. Do you all know this? Check this out. We are all made of dirt, which basically means we, have, we are the same color. We're brown. We just have different shades. I mean, listen to me real good. There's a person wearing a white shirt. See that? You stand up for me right quick. <laughs> hurry up, hurry up. My time running short. He's wearing a white shirt. Are you white? No, you're not. That's a white shirt. <laughs> Guess what? You're wearing a black blouse, right? Can you stand up for a minute? You're right there. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, stand up right quick. It's, it's black, right? Guess what? If I go stand there to that, I ain't that black. <laughs> that means that guess what? I'm not black. So we need to realize and understand if we look at truth, it helps us to identify who we truly are. Diversity is a beautiful thing, doc. And we need to embrace it and love one another. That fervent love, praying for one another. Listen, understanding our nature. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say things that are going to be out of line. We're going to stumble and fall. But we come alongside one another, pick that individual up, look past that, and look at the need of that individual and bless them with that. Y'all hearing me? The world needs to know what love looks like because there's people out here who have not experienced that love. Even though they experience it every day, they still don't recognize it. The Bible tells us that God reigns on the just as well as the what? The unjust. God is loving everybody and people don't recognize his love. So that love helps us to sustain the suffering because it unifies us, right? It brings us together. The third thing I want to share with you in dealing with this suffering is not just the Christ-like attitude or the Christ-like adoration, but it's the Christ-like assurance. Man, listen, your faith has to be solid as a rock. You can't have no cracks, though. You must have this assurance. Do you know, here's a pastor's scripture that people tend to read at every funeral or homecoming, right? And it's John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, Right? If you believe in God, believe also in me. Because in my Father's house, what? There are many mansions. Right? And I, and, and I go do what? Prepare a place for you. I wouldn't have told you so if it wasn't true. Because where I am, you will be also. Because he's coming back to me. I have an assurance of something. You know something that is? I will never die. I have that assurance. I will never die. You remember in John 11, where he told Martha, he said, Martha came to him, if I know if you had been here, 
that Lazarus would be alive today. He said, because <laughs> he said that, I know that he will come, he will rise in the resurrection. Well, Jesus looked and said, do you know, I am the resurrection? I am the life? Then he asked her a very pertinent question. Do you believe this? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Do we believe that Jesus is the resurrection, that he is the life, and that even though I may die in this body, that I will live, I will never taste death. But yet we still fear death. And that's the problem for us as the body of Christ. This is why we see what we're seeing right now, because we're afraid to stand up for what is truth. We're afraid to stand up because of what we might, we might be canceled. Are y'all hearing me? We're afraid that we might lose our jobs. We're afraid that we might, we might lose a loved one. We're afraid we might, we might lose things. And so we are fearful of standing up to things we know that are untrue. But we need to be able to share that truth, not out of condemnation. Listen to me real good, because we do not hate and we do not condemn. But Jesus came to seek and to save the lost because of the love he had for the Father and the love that he had for us. Always let love be your motivation for why you share truth. Are y'all hearing me? If we're going to be apologists, and we all of us need to be an apologist to be able to defend our faith, we need to be doing it in indigenous meekness and kindness. We must have compassion for those who, expo who oppose us. Not doing the same things that they're doing. Not hating as they hate. Not trying to condemn as they condemn. But loving them and wanting them to understand the truth so they can have life. He tells us this. He helps us to understand this. He tells, he tells us this. He says that in verse six, uh, 15, by no means let any of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. Don't be like the world. Don't be like the world, man. Don't let your nature get provoked. And, and can I just say this, and I'm going to say it real loud anyway. We take things too personal. We do. We take things way too personal as though we're God. It's like, it's, 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 it's like as though we created everybody. And so when you offend me, when you trespass against me, I want to condemn you. No, because first of all, Jesus makes this claim. God makes this claim. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I don't have to worry about it. I just, I, I'm just going to do what God wants me to do. And, and understand this, God's going to handle everything else. I trust God. Can I ask the question, how many of you trust God? Well, let's live that way. Be still because I am God. Quit trying to be me. Quit trying to save people. You can't save people. You know, when, when mothers, let me just share this with you. I know your child uh, is going astray, and I know you love your child, but you must trust God with their lives, and you just pray for them. Quit trying to save your child because you know what's going to happen? You cause stress and anxiety for yourself, physical ailments, and you will leave this planet quicker than you want to because you can't change them. You love them by trusting God with their lives. That's what my mama did. My mama stood like this. And I was 32 years old. I was still out there kicking and doing my thing, and she put her hands on her hip, and she like this. And then she put that finger up. She always put that finger up like that. <laughs> and she said, Junior, I'm just going to give you to Jesus. And when my mama said that, it seemed like the weight of the world came off of her, Steve. 
And she starts smiling. She said, I'm, okay. I'm just going to give you the, and put you in Jesus' hand. And I ain't going to worry about you no more. And I said to myself, you mean to tell me that's it? <laughs> Can I share something with y'all? Your daddy will, will, will get rid of you quicker than your mama will. I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> you ain't got a chance with your daddy. <laughs> but when your mama cuts that cord, you're done. I'm just serious. And your only hope is Jesus. And that's what, that's what we need to realize and understand and share with people. It's Jesus that people need. We need to examine these trials, the contrast between the flesh and the flesh. Listen, man, I don't want to, to go to jail doing something evil that affects God. No. If I want to go to jail, I want to go to jail for sharing the gospel. And it's coming. So I told people to get bail money ready. Because I'm not going to deny, and I'm going to preach on all subjects. I am not going to uh, tickle people's ears because people need to hear the truth. I'm sorry, and I'm trying to help people to understand this concept. You cannot compromise the truth. Because once you start compromising the truth, it's not the truth anymore, and you're trying to tickle somebody's ears. People need to know the truth. I'm thankful that I know the truth. I'm thankful that I, I come to realize I was a weak, frail human being who could not overcome uh, my, my enslavement to lust and to sin, and that God was able to open my eyes to it so I could have the humility to bow down to accept him as my Savior. And by doing so, I'm endowed by the Spirit of God. Now I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in me who can help me to overcome that. And so by doing so and by suffering, he helps me to realize that I am giving up sin just so I can please him. Listen. God said he's going to give you a good life here, but a greater life later. I can still have joy in the midst of suffering. That's what happened to Peter, Paul, and John. No, not Peter, Paul, and John. Lord, gee, that's, not, that, that, that's a group. Uh, <laughs> that's to Peter and James, and Peter and John, when they were being persecuted, being beaten for the sake of Christ, and they deemed it worthy, man. So if you want to learn how to suffer, and, and, and deal with this suffering and be able to appreciate this suffering, be able to get a Christ-like attitude. Look at things, how God Jesus looked at things. He understood. Why? Man, you should understand why, why people do. As Christians, we should understand why people do what they do and then look past it and pray for them. We should have a Christ-like adoration, not condemning, but always loving, looking past that. Do you realize and understand how that would affect people? Because they're looking for you to get revenge, but you're loving them. And then we have to have this Christ-like assurance. I'm not worried about death because guess what? He told me and he promised me that I would never die, dog. So why should I fear death? I shouldn't. And I understand it, man, we human beings. I understand it. And just because I understand things <laughs> don't mean I condone them. We have to get to the point that we don't fear death. And I'm just playing God's honest truth. That is the one thing that hinders our walk and our testimony, fear. We got to be bold. So we got to pray for one another. So when, Jesus, when, when, when Paul was talking to the, the, the church in Ephesus, one thing he shared after he shared about the armor of God and about the word of God, he said, 
pray for me that I can speak as I ought to speak with boldness, dog. People need to know the truth. And we have the opportunity today to share that truth. You're going to suffer. Be glad that you're suffering for the sake of Christ. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be able to be your representatives here on this planet, to be your ambassadors of heaven, to be able to suffer as our Savior suffered. Thank you for the example, Jesus, of how to go about loving, even in spite of pain and sorrow, even for those who hate us. May we love them with a fervent heart, and may we love one another and encourage one another that we can stand bold. But also, Father, thank you for dying on the cross for us. I pray that we can be those representatives without fear, but standing on your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, let's stand together. Darkness not yet understood 